I have a question for you. Why? Zina is serious, right? It's a crime. Why? What's the hikmah? What's the wisdom? What's the reason for its prohibition? Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like it? Discuss amongst yourselves and I want the best answers. Tell the person sitting next to you why you think zina is not allowed. All right. We believe it causes many diseases and breakup of relationships. Children that are born due to zina, they're forever scarred. They don't know why their parents did that to them. Okay. I think there are two, three things which are important. The whole balance of the society is disturbed. There is no feeling of confidence and security. That is the important thing which spreads in the society. So I think that is the main reason why Allah dislikes it. And the other thing is that the rights of the next generations and the children, that is all spoiled and they feel very much insecure by these things. I, I think that The point that you brought up is very relevant actually because a husband and wife, what's one of the first things they need from each other? Security in that relationship. This trust that you will not cheat me. You will not betray me. Right? And Zina, because it is unlawful, what does it do? It guarantees that sense of insecurity. Alright? And if zina was allowed, and we see that many people who consider it to be okay, then what happens? Despite having a strong relationship, people don't trust one another. Right? Or you see people cheating one another behind their backs. Why else is zina unlawful? What other wisdom is there? I mean, like the sister mentioned over there, there's many points. One is that people won't value relationships anymore, yes. right? What's the point of a marriage? If I can just, um, I think Dr. Bilal Phillips mentioned this when he was talking about the four wives and, you know, uh, marriage. He was saying that, you know, in Germany, they made prostitution legal. So there's, now they're paying people to have, get married and have kids because people can just go and fill their desires and there's no value in family and relationships. The kids, like they, the sister mentioned, they're scarred and, you know, the whole society is pretty much in chaos. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, it's a deterioration of um, society and its function as a whole. The purpose of a family is to, you know, two people raising a child together in security and safety. And if you are, you know, if there's other people around that are not following the same ruling, this just the way that, you know, our societies work, then it's breaking it down slowly and it's just damaging to everyone else around them. The rules are breaking down. If people are able to do this, what else are they not able to do? Yes. You also lose respect yes. among people. Yes. I mean, if just think about it. When you go to a store and you have the option of picking any cup, right, or plate, right, or any dish set or anything, then have you seen people just picking up glasses and then putting them down and you're like, it's delicate stuff, handle with care, right? I mean, what does it show? Every Everything is available. They lose respect. So if a man can pick on any woman, Right? And just flirt with her, or a woman can just, you know, go with any man. You don't view other people respectfully anymore. You know, when you know that zina is not allowed, it's not allowed, then you stop right at the beginning. You control your desire, you lower your gaze, you correct your thoughts. But if a person thinks, oh, the option is there, right? Then what happens? 
people lose respect for each other. Each individual is looked at as a sexual object, you know, as a source of sexual enjoyment. And that's it, that many people are looking for in others. Why else is zina unlawful? What's the wisdom? Some of the points have already been said, like children whose fathers have abandoned them or they don't know who their father is. There's also when they're getting married, you know, they say, have you had partners before? Even whether they're Muslim or not, there's still a problem. People are not happy about that. Hard to get married. Okay. Why else? Assalamu alaikum. A lot of the points are already been mentioned, but I was thinking like the beginning of the ayah is so strong itself. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like all the surahs in Quran are starting with strong ayahs, but this ayah particularly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasized the importance of all the rules are mentioned in the surah, like suratun anzalnaha wa faradnaha. Like this surah, every single command that has been mentioned is further obligatory on us, all the um, Muslims. That itself shows that this is not a light matter. You know, if you see this happening in our society or in our around us, this is not something small we can take because it's it's so common, you know, mm-hmm. nowadays. Remember that in our deen, something is not forbidden just for the sake of being forbidden. It has to be such that by forbidding that evil action, many more evil things are being prevented. You understand? So if zina is forbidden... It's not just so that people don't have fun. No. That's not the objective. What's the objective? Protect us from greater harm. What is that greater harm that Allah is saving us from by prohibiting us from committing zina? What's that greater harm? Because many times we think that, oh, you know, people who are not Muslim, they must be, they're lucky. They can do this before getting married. They don't have to get married. Right? And how do you truly know how somebody is unless you have slept with them? I mean, these kind of arguments or thoughts, they keep coming up. And we think that non-Muslims or people who don't follow Islam, they are very lucky. They're fortunate. They're having a great time. And we Muslims are poor Muslims, you know. Allah is protecting us from greater harm. What is that greater harm? Yes. I see we are ashraf al-makhluqat and we're not like animals. And if we do behave like animals, then there will be diseases and people will die. There'll be a destruction. Okay. So, disease. All right. What else? Because these days they say, use something so that the disease doesn't spread. Right? Assalamu alaikum. I have a couple of stories to share. I have known cases where women got involved into these situations and got pregnant. And then she had to abort the baby because she didn't want to be typecasted in the society. And she had the biggest regret until now that whenever I conceived, this would not be my first baby. My first baby was with someone who probably is not going to be my husband. And I I cannot explain it to anyone what happened. On top of that, it's... Yes, it's, it's important for the society and everything. But it, first of all, Islam is for yourself. You're violating your own self. When you get intimate with someone, you're, for women especially, your brain starts producing certain hormones and certain uh, neurotransmitters, which gets you connected to that person. So the man can probably walk out after one or two years or even a few weeks even, but woman is connected to that person now. So now, how does she move on and actually get married into her lot relationships? Because, I mean, this act is a very intimate act, right? It's a very intimate act that is between a man and a woman. And it must come with responsibility. So when zina is forbidden, 
that means that this action must be taken seriously. Assalamu alaikum. I think uh, it's bad because people start losing their morals and then the more they use their morals, the more it changes from zina between a man and a woman and then becomes bigger and this leads us to a society where there was people who were completely Allah took them out from the earth because of the crimes that they did of uh, going through men and women and that's how it becomes bigger because people are using they are losing their morals and their haya mm-hmm. uh, how about what we're doing to our parents our mothers they're always uh, worried I remember when I came to Canada I was young with my sister and her ex-husband and my mom every time I called her back home she would be get married, get married, I was young, and she would get married, get married, and I'm like, mom, there's no nice, you know, decent guys here, get married, somebody you'll find it, and she'll make their aunt pray all the time, when I got married, she was so happy, she was crying, and now I realize how she felt, because when I have now four girls, I'm always worried, you know, what's going to happen, you're always talking to them about, you know, to be decent, not to go near the boys, not even to uh, look at them and smile with or anything, when they're talking, always look away, so don't give them that attention, because usually boys are like, if you look at them and, and you pay attention to them, they think you're interested, you know, interested in them, and they'll follow you around next time. So now I understand what parents go through, so, you know, for young girls here, mashallah, teenagers, high schools, universities, always think about your mother, she's always worried, sick, what's going to happen next, so get married soon. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, it's also the thing about zina, and I also know a few people who were in it, and only because they were confessing and they wanted to make toba. It's just you can never, like the sister said, move on to the next stage of level because you're emotionally not only connected with someone who broke into pieces, but you also feel like, alas, I lost the most valuable thing in the most disrespectful way, and that's when shaitan takes advantage of us, that there is... No way of going back and you give yourself all the hope. And people slowly start giving up on Allah and sin and zina and everything becomes normal to them that they completely leave Islam. And when you yourself, like subhanAllah, feel like the most valuable thing has been gone and Allah is telling us as an Muslim women in our ummah that you are valued. You are someone who is looked up to because we're raising the next generation. We can't even, how could we raise a second generation and the one after if we're losing our kids in that process? So subhanAllah, it's anything Allah tells us is haram, it's for our own good. Anything Allah tells us is good and halal, it's for our own benefit. And there's a scholar who said that Allah already put mawadda and rahmah in marriage. So don't take the faults of shaitan and look for it outside of that marriage. So. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And I think most of the meaning of the haram is explained. As Allah said, as Allah zina, I believe the major one is when female contacted so many men with zina, and there's a children there, one child, and there's no share. So she doesn't know which one the father, which is major for the value of Islam or society. 
if there's 10 or 4, whatever she met, and she have a child, and the child doesn't have a specific father. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to add it on to that story that girl got pregnant because of that uh, act. And you know what? Uh, she just abort that because she doesn't want to face the society or whatever reasons. And you know what? Whenever she forget about everything and she move on in her life and she got married with a nice guy or whatever, whenever she get pregnant, they make you sign a form to let them know, is this your first pregnancy? Could she ever be able to tell the doctor that big lie that this is my first pregnancy? Because it's totally different when you're pregnant for the first time and you're not, you're pregnant for the second time. So you cannot lie to your doctor. You cannot lie to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you just gone that far that you have did that act and the, on top of that sin you made this abortion decision. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Assalamualaikum. I just wanted to add on in terms of how it kind of stunts your own development. So the stories that I have heard of people committing zina, even after the girls, especially when they do tawbah, they're never able to overcome psychologically the fact that they did that, and then they start losing value in themselves. And like they mentioned, it's just like they lose their faith in Allah eventually. And it's really sad because especially the younger you are, the more crucial it is for your development to develop as a person yourselves and they're never fully able to do that after they commit that act. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I also wanted to mention, you know, when um, you go and do zina, right? So the children who are born, you do not know who the father is and ultimately you will have all the children or next generation and when they are going to get married, you don't know if they are getting married to their own brother or sister. You many, can't tell. Many problems over there. Allah has not created this dunya for play. It's for the akhira and its examination, how we behave. It's not like animals. We have rules, regulations. It makes a society. Otherwise, it will be like an animal world. So the conclusion is that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden us from something, there has to be a reason behind that. And He is protecting us from greater harm, right? This is called saddul bab, just close the door. So the prohibition of zina is basically the closing of the doors to evil, to greater suffering, to greater harm in this life and also in the next life. It's like the example of like a normal day versus Ramadan, right? So like Ramadan would be like what we have in Islam in terms of like getting married in order to like engage in the act. But like on a normal day, you have all the food available to you. So like even when you're not hungry, you can just go and get it, right? So it's like it kind of like takes your self-control away in all matters of your life. Yes. See, in Ramadan, we're not allowed to eat and drink during the day, right? So what happens? That desire to eat and drink, you're able to fight it. Why? Because you're not allowed. So likewise, when zina is forbidden, then it develops greater self-control. Right? You control your gaze. You control your clothing. You control your thinking about other people. And also like... If someone does zina and then the woman gets pregnant, then it's not fair to her because the man can just walk out. 
and like I've just recently been through like pregnancy and delivery and now I have a newborn alhamdulillah and it's so much like so many doctor's appointments and so much stress and so much pain and it's too much it's not fair if the guy does it you know you just need him sometimes to just vent and complain you know if not take you to your appointments if not contribute financially if not you know lift the carrier because it's too heavy you just need your husband right so it wouldn't be fair to you jazakallah Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, in the Western societies, like when the children were born out of wedlocks, it was being frowned on. And uh, people were married and then there was uh, abuse started for women and the whole dating process started, if you see at the history. For that reason that people wanted the marriages to get better. So they got the idea of if we see each other before and we meet and people were dating only for the sake of getting married. That's how the idea started. And then we know about the 60s and all the freedom and the pill and all that kind of stuff. So we have seen the society where it has come. So when the family system is gone, and it's not that the men don't suffer. Men are suffering and so are women. But um, if you see the families where the marriage does not exist, nobody is married in the family. I'm not only talking about Muslims. It could be any society, and they have seen no marriages. They have no role modeling there. So they seek to have good relationships too. So people do get together, and people are living as girlfriend and boyfriends. They are doing a lot more than the wives and husband do for each other. But that commitment is not there. So sometimes you are just living and you're like living the life of a sin while you are doing, I know personally people, like not only you're taking care of children, but you're taking care of other people's dogs too. Uh, but the marriage institution is not there. So we are already seeing the end result there, what happens. And that's why Allah Ta'ala say that the marriage is supposed to be that where you are libas for each other where you're covering good and bad. I mean, all the marriages are not great, but we are seeking, if we know what a good marriage is, which we do not teach our son and daughters, if we know what the good marriage is and we are seeking for that good marriage, then we are working for something. And when that does not happen, then um, people go in other ways, and yeah. which is very sad. Endless problems. After all these points, I just want to say that it will be that lesser than the animal's world. The pig is the only uh, animal who doesn't, um, <laughs> who doesn't have one spouse. <laughs> okay. Assalamu alaikum. I work in an organization that deals with violence against women. And some of the things that I see when people come to my office to ask for help is that they're seeking rights for relationships of marriage when they themselves are not married. So everybody is very confused. They come in, the person that they're with is not their husband, yet they're seeking the rights that a married woman would get. And it's just very messy. So we have to go back to the basics. Yeah. Get married and then maybe you can get something for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I feel is that it kills your spirituality. Because I know people who fell into it and then they feel like, I mean, shaitan makes them think that they can't even stand in prayer in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after doing something like that. And especially for people who are just sleeping around, um, it's, I mean, like the, the low is worse than the high. I mean, in that moment, it's all that. But then afterwards, you know, it's meaningless. 
Assalamualaikum. Um, recently, I was listening to a lecture, and it was a, a man who was telling his story. And uh, basically, he had ended up committing zina with a woman, and uh, she ended up getting pregnant. So, like, her family was very angry, and, you know, they came to him and everything. And he denied it completely, like, you know, it's not mine, and everything like that. So eventually, during his life, his own sister ended up getting, like, doing zina as well. And when he got married, he got married to a woman who had done zina. And when he had a daughter, his daughter got raped. So, I mean, it was like he affected somebody's daughter, somebody's sister, somebody's potential wife, and everything, you know, came back to him. His daughter was affected. His sister was affected. His wife had been affected. This is why zina is not just the problem of the zani, it becomes the society's problem. And this is why here we learn that zina is a crime. Because you wonder, why is there such a severe punishment? Why is there a legal punishment? Why is it a criminal offense? Because the effects of zina are not just limited to the zani and the zaniya. The effects are far-reaching. They affect the whole society. This is why it becomes everyone's problem and this is why the criminal is punished. And this is why the punishment must be witnessed by a group of people. Why? So that they get scared and they decide never dare to commit this crime for the purpose of preventing the crime. I was just thinking of two other points. I heard how everyone's saying that um, mentioning all the things that can go wrong, right? You can become pregnant and there's abortion and there's shame. And then many people argue, non-Muslims, they argue that, well, what if it works out? Well, what if you, you know, you date somebody and, you know, you do the act and, you know, you get married and you live happily ever after and they argue this. But then when you think about that, all of us think, oh, that beautiful fairytale ending could work, so let's do it. But the chances are so low that we never think that, okay, how many times have dating and relationships failed and worked? They mostly don't work. And also, when we do these things, we don't realize that just like you were mentioning before, that when we do this act or, you know, zina and all these things, we have to cover it up with so many other lies. So many other sins get committed when, especially for teenagers, young girls, if they, you know, do this and then they become pregnant, which is one of the things that can go wrong, they have to hide it from their parents and society, they have to lie, they have to lie to their doctors, they have to get money for abortion and this and that. And I think I remember the story of Barsisa, right? When that two brothers left their sister with him and, you know, he... At the end, he committed zina, and then he ended up killing the woman. So, and then he lied to the brothers too. So, and also did that to shaitan. Yeah, he did so many sins. Just one little one act led him to do so many wrongs. So, it's not that one sin that you're committing, which already is big enough. You're falling out with many, many, many other sins. I think this point was slightly mentioned before, but you, other than losing respect for relationships, the sti- like there's a lot of statistics that show that those who have multiple partners, multiple sexual partners, or multiple partners in general, they're jumping from relation to relationship looking for that honeymoon phase, as they call it, or the fire of the relationship. So it's a very short-time relationship. So that when they actually get married, obviously... A marriage doesn't work like that. You're like that for a few years, if you're lucky. And then after that, things, you know, obviously the fire fizzles out, but it's a different type of relationship then. Things change. But they're only looking for that high that comes right at the beginning of the relationship. And so that leads to obviously more divorce rates. So even if you do start up a family, it ends so much faster, and you destroy it so much faster just because it's not what you thought it would be. Um, I also just wanted to add that we forget about the children that are involved because 
the dad, like the man can just leave, right? And if a child doesn't have a father, a mom can't control everything. So it's like this vicious cycle because like the mom is trying to um, control the kid not to be rebellious, but like you need two people for it to work. Exactly. And especially if it's a boy, he needs Even a role model. Yeah. I think girls are more attached to their fathers. Yeah, like we need a, like for me, like I look at my mom, she's my role model. And like just as it, it will be for my, my brother, his role model will be my dad. So like we need two parents in our lives. And then like we don't even have that example of a, like a good relationship, a strong relationship. So it's easier for us to also get into the cycle so it's just ongoing and it never stops. Yes, exactly. Um Also it brings out a whole other modern problems like we mentioned like in this society like it's common like even from a young age it's brought up in Disney movies and all these little movies that dating is allowed you should go for it and now I'm seeing this problem like in my old middle school there girls have a whole list of dress rules and guys don't and it's only because it's to control the guys so they can continue on their education and just last night I was reading somewhere where this girl was sent home because apparently her dress was too short and they were saying like everyone's complaining like you think that her education is not it's less important than her dress rule so this whole bunch of problems are just aroused from this one yes So to conclude this discussion, no matter how much discussion is done on this topic, it's not enough. But the main lesson we learn over here is that if Allah has forbidden something, then He's forbidden it. Just accept it. Whether it's difficult to accept or what, if Allah has forbidden it, He has forbidden it for our good. He is protecting us from something that is worse. He's protecting us from many problems. And also what this teaches us is that when a person commits a sin, it's not just his problem. It affects those who are around him. Allah says, Azani, the Zani man, la yankihu, he does not marry, illa except zaniyatan, a Zani woman, aw mushrika, or a mushrik woman. The word yankihu that is used over here is from nikah. And what does nikah mean? Marriage. But remember that, The word nikah is used in two ways. First of all, it implies marriage, meaning marriage contract, aqt. And secondly, it also implies jima', meaning sexual intercourse. So, azani la yankihu, this will be understood in two ways. That the zani man does not marry any woman except that she is also a zaniya. Meaning he will only be interested in who? He will only be interested in who? Is any woman. Right? Because each person seeks who? Those who are similar to them. Those who are like-minded. Those who have the same goals, same priorities in life, same values. So like for like. Right? Azani la yankihu illa zaniya. Aw mushrika or a mushrik woman. Meaning for the zani, his deen is not important anymore. He will also marry a mushrik woman. He will go to this length. That deen will not be a priority for him at all. Secondly, we understand this ayah as that a zani will only do nikah, meaning jima', meaning sexual intercourse, meaning zina with who? A zani woman. A zani la yankihu illa zaniyatan aw mushrika. Meaning, people with iman, people with taqwa, they don't indulge in, in these activities. وَالزَّانِيَةُ And the zani woman, لَا يَنْكِحُهَا None will marry her 
or none will do zina with her illa except zanin a zani man a mushrik or a mushrik man a polytheist man وَحُرِّمَ ذَلِكَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَحُرِّمَ And it has been forbidden. What has been forbidden? ذَلِكَ that, meaning this act of zina, is forbidden عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ on the believers. Meaning the believers keep away from this. It doesn't befit believers to commit an act like this. A person with iman, he will stay away from this. It doesn't befit him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us a fact over here. Or He's giving us a command over here. And what is this fact? What is this command? That the pure for the pure and the impure for the impure. A person who commits zina only deserves one who is like him or her. And the fact is that they will only be interested in such people. A zani person does not deserve to marry a chaste person. They don't deserve to marry a chaste person. And also what we see in this ayah is that for someone who commits zina, then what happens? Deen is no longer a priority for them. He will even go and do nikah, meaning have intercourse, or marry a mushrik. And you know that marriage with a mushrik is not allowed, right? Marriage with ahlul kitab, meaning a Muslim man can marry a kitabi woman. But can he marry a mushrik woman? It's not allowed. But Allah is telling us here that he will even go, that a zani person or a zani woman will even go and marry a mushrik. For them, deen is not important at all. What is the concern? Desire. Fulfillment of desire. Lust. And also if you think about it, zaniya aw mushrika. Zanin aw mushrik. Meaning there's got to be some similarity between a mushrik person and a person who's committing zina. There's some similarity between them. And what is that similarity? That both are disloyal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who's committing shirk, he's associating partners with Allah. And the one who's committing zina, what is he doing? He's also being disloyal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And especially for a person who's married. Disloyal to Allah and disloyal to their partner, to their spouse. وَحُرِّمَ ذَلِكَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And this is forbidden on the believers. In a hadith we learn that there was a companion, his name was Marsad. Right? And before he embraced Islam, right, he used to have, you could say, a girlfriend. Right? She was a prostitute and he would go to her regularly and her name was Unaq, right? So obviously when this companion, Marthad radiallahu anhu, when he embraced Islam, he did tawbah, he left all of this, he did hijrah to Medina. And he used to go to Mecca secretly in night and he would go and free the you know, Muslims who were kept as captives in Mecca. Alright, so he would go and release them in the night and just bring them, you know, secretly in the middle of the night, take them out of Makkah and bring them to Medina. Alright, so something very, very dangerous he would do. But he would risk his life for it. Right, for the sake of Allah's religion. So one night what happened, he went to release a particular prisoner. And as he was walking against the walls, alright, in the streets very secretly, all of a sudden there was a person over there. And this person, in the dark of the night, recognized him. And who was that? It was Unaq. Right? So she said, welcome to my city, come spend the night with me. And he said, no, this is something that Allah has forbidden. You know that I have left this. So what happened? Unaq, she screamed out that, oh, Martad is here. Alright? So basically she made it known that he was here. So people chased him. He had to get away. And eventually, with a lot of difficulty, he made it back to Medina. But this was in his heart. You know, because she was his girlfriend. Right? He had a relationship with her in the past. 
And he was wondering if he could possibly get back with her somehow. So he asked the Prophet ﷺ that, Ya Rasulullah, can I marry her? Can I marry her? She was still a mushrika. So he's basically asking for an exception. Can I marry her? The Prophet ﷺ said, no, do not marry her. And these ayat were revealed. That a Muslim man, there is no way he would marry a mushrika. There is no way he would marry a zaniya, a prostitute. No way. I mean, if she's done tawbah, that is something else. If she's embraced Islam, then all her sins are wiped off. Right? In fact, sins are converted into good deeds. But if she's upon her shirk, if she's upon her wrong ways, and she hasn't repented from it, then how can you get together with a person who's like that? What does it mean then? That when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships, we have to be very careful. What is it that we are seeking in the other person? Is it just their physical appearance? Is it just their wealth? Is it just their status? We should also be concerned about their modesty, their haya. How is their interaction with people of the opposite gender? Right? What is their reputation like? Because a Muslim person, a mu'min, they should only choose who? A chaste person. And you know what the reason is? What the wisdom is? Because you become like your spouse. You become like your spouse. You know, it's amazing how people will tell you, oh, you, you resemble your husband a lot in the way you talk now. Or you're, you're talking like her. Right? Or sometimes mothers of men are amazed that what happened to your eating habits? You never ate this food when you were in my house. And now you're eating this food? And he says, yeah, my wife makes it all the time. I don't have a choice. Right? With you, I had a choice. With my wife, I don't have a choice. So you see what happens? You become like your spouse. You begin to share the same goals, same values. So if a chaste person marries an unchaste person, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to lose their chastity as well. They're going to lose their haya as well. Let's listen to the recitation. الزاني لا ينكح إلا زانية أو مشركة والزانية لا ينكحها إلا زان أو مشرك وحرم ذلك على المؤمنين